Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, November 17th, 2021. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Matt Baxendale. Bax, the Buckeyes stayed at number four in the college football playoff rankings as expected last night. In fact, the top seven stayed exactly the same. Georgia, Bama, Oregon, OSU, Cincinnati, Michigan, Michigan State. Your thoughts, sir? Well, among that group, nothing really did change, right? Like we could say a couple of them didn't look great and a couple of them did the last week, but they all won their games. So, you know, the the the, the playoff picture really hasn't changed much in the last week or two. I mean, or last week or so at least, because you haven't had any of these guys lose any games. So the committee's kind of just holding its breath to see what happens this weekend, what happens the next weekend. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens down south whenever Alabama and Georgia run into each other. but. OSU situation hasn't changed. You win and you're in. And that's about all we can really say about it. Uh, flip side of that is, is that it's going to be also very interesting if Oregon loses a game because then you have Cincinnati hovering to get in. But are we talking potentially about a second Big Ten team getting in? I don't think so. But who knows? This is a, is a very interesting season right now because if a couple teams lose in very realistic fashion, you could see some real chaos. Just like we've been talking all year, this season has a 2007 vibe to it where you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, like you said, we know Ohio State, if they win, they're in. So then it comes down to if they win out, how important is seeding? Um, that's what I've been kind of kicking around. I'm curious to get your take on that. If Ohio State does win out, they're in. At that point, how important does seeding become, in your opinion? Well, I think – at this point for Ohio State, once they went out, once they get in, it doesn't matter who you play. I, I mean, you can talk about avoiding Georgia all you want, right? But at the end of the day, you're in, you're in the Final Four, and that's all you can ask for, right? Now, there's a realistic scenario where Alabama loses to Georgia, OSU and Oregon went out, and since he's the number four seed, and OSU gets a rematch against Oregon, that would be fascinating, to say the least, because I think we've all been wanting to see OSU's much improved defense with a healthy C.J. Stroud against Oregon. So that's a best case scenario for OSU because it seems like they would be heavily favored in that game. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think right now, if you're Ohio State, look, your, your schedule to finish the season is two top seven teams here at the end of the regular season. And then you've got a, a Big Ten championship game, likely against a team that's in the top 15. So they've got a long run to go. And by the way, we can't overlook Spartans this week, but next week there's a team that's waiting for Ohio State that uh, chickened out last season and didn't want to lose by 70, and OSU owes them one. So looking too far ahead here is definitely not the friend of the Buckeyes. We can talk about it, but I hope the guys at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center 
are sitting here thinking more along the lines of we got to beat Sparty because I think we all remember a game against Sparty on senior day in kind of cold, bad weather about five years ago that we would never lose that we ended up losing. And that cost us a championship shot. So eyes on the prize right now. It was six years ago, but I don't even know what you're talking about. And we will get to the Ohio State-Michigan State matchup here in a moment. I want to ask you one more thing about the college football playoff. The Cincinnati debate is interesting. Dwayne started a thread on the board. Very uh, interesting thread. I uh, would encourage people to read that thread. A lot of people have strong feelings about this. So let's say, so Oregon is underdogs at Utah this week. Utah's favored by three. Let's say Oregon loses and Cincinnati wins out. Is Cincinnati in, in your opinion? Well, I think by default they'd be in at that point. I think it's clear to the committee that they prefer Cincinnati over any of the Big 12 teams. And uh, I, th- I think it's gonna, it, there's, there's two ways to shake out. Because if Georgia beats Alabama, then you don't really know what to do with Bama at that point, right? I mean, they've lost two games. And Cincinnati, Cincinnati had a one-loss team. Cincinnati versus a one-loss Alabama, then Alabama probably gets the nod. But two losses is a pretty big differentiator. So. I think if since he just keeps winning, they just need one upset in front of them, whether it's Bama losing, whether it's Oregon losing, uh, that that would be allow them to sneak in. Now, if something happens where OSU loses to one of the Michigan teams, then I think that team would leapfrog Cincinnati. But right now, I mean, you and I said this, I think, start end of September, start of October, that there's a very realistic scenario where the playoff is Georgia, Bama, OSU, Cincy. And I'm still sitting here thinking that's, that's totally realistic because if Bama beats Georgia uh, and Oregon loses and since and OSU went out, Georgia's still going to get in. They'll probably be the number three or four seed at that point. And it'll be Bama versus Cincy and OSU Georgia. So I think at this point, you know, Cincinnati's not in a bad spot. They just have to keep holding serve. And it really helps them if Notre Dame keeps winning. That's for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. And even if Utah doesn't win this week at home, it sounds like it'll be Utah uh, with the rematch uh, against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. So Oregon has a couple of chances to lose to Utah. And Oregon State's not bad this year. So um, I, I tend to think Oregon's going to lose one of those games. We'll see what happens. All right, Ohio State, Michigan State, this Saturday at the Horseshoe, senior day, high noon. Buckeyes favored by 19 backs. How do you expect this game will play out? Well, 19 is a scary big number, but OSU had a scary big number against Purdue and they ended up covering too. The reality is like, we're all very well aware that Ohio State is a significantly more talented team than Michigan State. I mean, Michigan State was a team that most of us didn't even think was going to go to a bowl game. And the fact that Mel Tucker has them where they are right now is really a testament to what he's done with that Sparty team. I mean, they don't have a really super high recruiting base. They're, their talent calculator is nowhere near OSU's, but they're a gritty, tough team that goes out and runs a football. Flip side of that is, is if you're Ohio State, you're pretty comfortable playing against running teams because you've had one of the best run defenses in the country pretty much since the Oregon game. Uh, like, like OSU is legitimately in the top five against the run since that game. And that's a good sign. So I, I think at this point with Ohio State, uh, you know, you never want to say, OSU is going to blow out a top 10 team and it's a gimme, blah, 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 blah. But the Buckeyes are a clear favorite. This is the sort of game where I could easily see OSU covering. I really could. Uh, you know, Michigan State is they're a very good team, but they have not run into anybody like Ohio State yet this season. 
And that's because there aren't many teams that have the talent that Ohio State does. So it's senior day. It's, it's an Ohio State team coming off of a dominating win. I'm going to cautiously, optimistically say Ohio State could easily cover this game. But I also remember watching Ohio State struggle with Nebraska and struggle with Penn State two previous weeks. So let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. My expectation is that they win by how much. I don't even know if that matters unless you're, of course, of the gambling sort. But this is that's that's a tough number because I think Michigan State is better than a lot of people think, but Ohio State is easily capable of covering it. So if that sounds wishy-washy, it is. I expect the Buckeyes to win, but I couldn't tell you by how much in this one. Which game concerns you the most, this Saturday or next week in Ann Arbor? Oh, this Saturday for sure, because the Ohio State team's going to be pissed when they go up to Ann Arbor, because they all remember how Michigan ducked them last year. For the first time in 100-something years, we didn't play. And COVID, 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 whatever. That was an excuse for Jim Harbaugh because he knew his team was going to get throttled. They had the kids. They ducked Ohio State, period. No question about it. End of the day. I'm not un, like I'm not diminishing the fact that some people had corona last year, but Michigan ducked Ohio State. I will say that till the day I die. They ducked them, and Ohio State knows that. And more importantly, Ryan Day knows that. These guys are going to be frothing at the mouth to punch Michigan in the face. So I think Ohio State's more than ready to go for that one. I'm worried they potentially could be overlooking Michigan State, knowing that Michigan's on the horizon for the first time in two years. So. I'm much more nervous about this Saturday just because there's the possibility Ohio State comes out not 100% ready to rock and roll. You know they'll be ready to go next week. Interesting. I, I'm more concerned about the Michigan game, but, um, yeah, you make a good argument there. I want to ask you about Mayan Williams. I thought he gave the team a really good lift last week, and, man, I, I hope they use that one-two punch. I mean, Travion, of course, is the home run hitter. He's the starter. He deserves that. He deserves – the majority of the carries they need to use him more in the passing game i think as well but man if you need four yards mayan's going to get you six i mean I, it's just such a good one-two punch and it's great to have him back as, as a big part of the offense how do you see that kind of shaking out down the stretch hopefully they also get master teague back just so they'll have depth there they're trying to redshirt edvin Pryor, who's played in four games but that one-two punch with travion and mayan man that looks good and, and it's good to have mayan back yeah, you need those two young guys to take the majority of the carries. I mean, those are the two guys that have the vision and the ability to, to, to make something happen. Uh, I do think there's a value to Master Teague, though, right? We're sort of all overlooking him here. Master Teague is good, very good at one thing, which is running straight ahead and getting yards in a straight-ahead fashion. If we need one yard, Master Teague's probably the best of the three to give the ball to because he won't dance around. He'll run through somebody, right? But that was always the issue with Master Teague was if there's a hole two feet to the left, and he was running, you know, instead of an A gap into a B gap, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't see the other gap. He'd just run right into the one gap and get three yards, right? Instead of getting the bigger hit, that's why Henderson and, and Williams are better players. They have better vision. But there's a very big value to Master Teague. You're telling me at third and goal from the one-yard line, he's not the one of the three you probably don't want to have the football? I would say Teague for sure because he's more likely to drive into the zone. So there's a value to all three of them. But having Mayan Williams there to – not have Travion Henderson get sort of tired out in the longest football season of his young life is very important. And Mayan Williams is a good running back on his own right. So I, I think that you've got 
two really good young running backs, a one-two punch, and a veteran who's there with pretty sure hands to be able to get you some rough yards when you need them. That's a great situation for OSU. Hopefully we get Teague back healthy, but this is, this is a great setup for the Buckeyes in the backfield right now. Last thing I want to ask you about defensive tackle. It's interesting how it's worked out. I mean, early in the year, I mean, first of all, I thought Haskell Garrett would just be, you know, the starter all year. But he's for those that don't know, he's been dealing with an ankle injury. Um, his he's been on kind of a, a pitch count. Hopefully, he'll be healthy for these uh, next two games and for the postseason as well. Uh, but that's why he hasn't been starting, hasn't been playing a lot. Um, he's not in the doghouse or anything like that. They're just he's on a pitch count. Bucknutters. Um, Tyleek Williams, though, is a guy that, uh, you know, he might be in the doghouse from what I've heard a little bit. I, I don't know. I don't think it's anything serious, but he looked like he was going to be the starting one tech early in the season, as well as he was playing as a true freshman. Haskell would be the starting three tech. Instead, it's been lately, it's been Teron Vincent and uh, Antoine Jackson have been out there as starters. Jerron Cage, of course, is playing a lot and playing well. Um, hey, depth is good. You know, I, I didn't expect much out of Antoine Jackson. He's playing well. Teron Vincent's finally living up to the recruiting hype. So th- those are good things. And hopefully Haskell Garrett gets back. Um, but man, it's it's interesting what's going on with Tyleek Williams. Kind of break all that down for me. What, what are you seeing at D-tackle? Well, I, I think Tyleek Williams not playing has, has to be the result of off-field stuff because on the field, whenever he was on the field for a majority of the season, there was a spell there for a month where he was the best D-tackle, including a healthy Haskell Garrett. I mean, that guy had Superstar written all over him, and maybe he got, you know, like an 18-year-old can. Maybe he got a little full of himself. Maybe his practice habits slipped. You know, who knows, right? Like, we're just speculating here. But it's not speculation to say that his playing time dropped significantly abruptly. And I think all of us would argue that it didn't merit dropping based on what we saw on the field. But we're not in the locker room. We're not at practices. So something was going on behind the scenes there. I'm hoping he can work his way out of said doghouse in time for this closing stretch to give Ohio State yet another defensive tackle that can do a lot. And by the way, uh, he has a massive ceiling. So he could be the kind of guy who, if he's worked his way back into the good graces of Ryan Day and company, who could be a bit of a surprise, right? Because everybody talks about Haskell, and obviously when Haskell is healthy, he's an absolute star. But you got a lot of other young, or, or not other young, but a lot of other depth guys right there. You got Jerron Cage, like you said. You get Teron Vincent. You got Antoine Jackson. You've got some pieces, right? End of the day, Tyreek Williams might be the best of all of them. So you kind of want to see him on the field. But I think getting a healthy Haskell Garrett back right now to add to all that depth is only a good thing. And when you're a, you're, when you're playing in championships type environments it's never a bad thing to have yet another great defensive lineman to be able to put on the field. I mean, OSU is legitimately 12 guys deep on the D line right now. And that's just ridiculous. So I think, uh, I think at this point you, you just have to hope that Tylee gets his way back to the field. Cause I think OSU is absolutely at their best with, with Williams next to Garrett in the middle. Great stuff from Matt Baxendale. You can catch his excellent column every Sunday. It is the bucket. Thank you to Bax. Thanks to all the listeners out there for tuning into the show. We appreciate that very much. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. <laughs>